0: Hey, would you help me welcome my neighbor and friend, Eric Gaffney? Come on, Eric. So, Eric, as I mentioned, is or was my neighbor um, for a long time. And uh, grab a seat, my friend. And uh, I still remember the, the first time I met you, or I saw you, I should say. We had, we had moved in probably 16, 17 years ago. And I looked across the street and I saw this young boy. I think you were in like probably fifth grade at the time. And you were playing catch with your dad. But I was looking across the street and I thought, what what is that kid doing? He keeps taking his glove off and he keeps flipping it back and forth. And uh, and I didn't know at that time that you were born without your right arm. And, and your dad... Uh, would not let up on you,
1: right? Yeah, that's right. My parents pushed me uh, growing up in a very good way. They, uh, they, they weren't going to hold back. They were going to treat me like anybody else. And my dad was my coach, my baseball coach growing up. And uh, uh, he was just going to treat me like any other player. And uh, he made it his goal. And I told him I wouldn't make him sound bad. But he made it his goal to hit me with the baseball. I'd throw it to him. He'd try to get it back to me as fast as he could. Uh, he wanted to push me. If you, if you will, to my limit and see how fast I get the glove on. And I wouldn't let him hit me. I'd get the glove, I'd throw and get the glove back on fast enough to, so he couldn't hit me with that ball.
0: <laughs> so crazy. So you're, you're you're throwing the baseball with your dad. He's he's not letting up. And what I was inspired even by your dad was when I uh, kind of walked across the street and I don't know, it was the next few days or whatever, and was talking with him and, and through our course of our friendship, he just told me that, Um, He wasn't going to treat you any different than anyone else, Um, and he didn't want to limit you in in what you could do. You know, the first week of this series, um, we talked about shortcuts, um, and we talked about this idea of there's no shortcut to um, the promise that God has for you. In fact, shortcuts cut short the promise of God, and it's been um, quite a journey for you through this process. Uh, I want to go back to a time... When you were, was it kindergarten? When you uh, were learning how to tie your shoes, somewhere lace? around there, okay, kindergarten yeah. or first grade. Yeah. Um, last week, we talked about this idea that you could be a a victor or a victim. It's it's your decision. It's your choice. That there there are times that we are victimized in this life, or there's things that we have that are put on us in our life, and and in that moment you have a decision to make. Either I'm going to become a victim and be victimized the rest of my life and just carry a victim mentality throughout my life, or I'm going to rise above that and I'm going to become a victor. And what I just think is so inspiring about, just for me personally in your story, is you never ever played the part of the victim. You never just said, you know what, this is what I am, this is who I am. But tell us, take us back, I think it started all the way back with tying your shoes.
1: Yeah, there's a few questions I get asked quite often. Uh, one of them is, uh, are you left-handed? And I say, well, I kind of have to be. Uh, but uh, <laughs> another common question is, uh, yeah, about tying my shoes. And it was it was very, uh, there was a lot of kids who would say, hey, untie your shoes and let me watch you tie your shoes. And, um, well, you know, I figured it out, but it took a while. In fact, I remember... Uh, Way back when, some of you might remember as well, my parents found, probably on an infomercial at about 11 p.m., a uh, a pair of shoelaces that were spiraled laces. Maybe they make them today, I don't know. But uh, you pull them, and it tightens your shoes, and where you let go, it stays there. So the kids don't have to tie your shoes. Some of you parents are thinking, man, I wish I found those for my kids. But but I didn't have to tie my shoes, and I started to... uh, Obviously, I liked them, and a lot of my friends liked them as well. Uh, But I started to realize that not every kid is showing up with these shoelaces in, and I'm one of the only ones with them. And I was thinking, well, that's because I can't tie my shoes. So I insisted uh, on my parents. I would have my mom tie my shoes for me in the morning, and uh, she'd teach me best she could, and then I'd go to school, and right after lunch I'd be going outside Uh, to the playground, and instead of playing, I'd untie my shoes, and I'd re-tie them, untie them, re-tie them, and so forth until I mastered it. And that was the first, kind of my first big obstacle, maybe, that I wasn't going to let stand in my way.
0: That just summarizes, I just think, of who you are as a person. Like, that was instilled in you so early in your life that I'm going to be determined. And so you had, I I know you have... Uh, at some point, you had this dream of maybe one day, I'm going to be a, p- a pilot. Uh, take us back to that moment when, um, you know, when was it you decided to become a pilot, and what is that dream? When did God birth that dream in you?
1: Yeah, like, I grew up uh, in the aviation fa- in an aviation family. My dad, uh, my parents are sitting right back there, by the way. I want them to wave. So, my mom and dad, Jim and Lori. Jim and Lori right there. I owe a lot to them. Uh... He's a mechanic out here in Tulsa at the uh, American Airlines Angers, and, uh, so I grew up in an aviation family, and like every kid, I, uh, I grew up with a passion, uh, for airplanes, watching them fly, figuring out how they fly, and wanting to be a guy in uniform, and be, uh, be a pilot, and, uh, I, I just knew that's what I was going to do. I wanted to do that, and, uh, uh, what's funny, though, is I, uh, as I got older and matured a little more, I, uh. I said, you know, I I don't know that this is really what I can do physically speaking. I don't know that a one-handed person can be an airplane, an airline pilot, and uh, so in other ways, I kind of spoke with Brad about this. I was my very first holdback was myself. I said, There's, "No, you can't do it. You can't do it." So I didn't do it. But uh, as I got going into college, went to OU, go Sooners, right. Uh, yeah, I, mean, uh, I realized that I went pre-med, just about like 99% of the freshmen there, and, uh, and about like the other 98% of those, I dropped out of pre-med, so I, uh, uh, medicine was another passion of mine, but it was tugging on my heart. God had put that in my, uh, in my heart for a reason. He had called me to do that, and uh, so I, I knew that I needed to keep going.
0: I think it'd have been great if you'd been a surgeon. That would just walk in and be like, "Hey, you're surgeon today." Little accident yesterday with a scalpel. But. <laughs> so, you are a pre you're doing pre-med. What was it that was the was the turning point? But I I'm but I like what you said too. I'm back up just a second because you said you limited yourself. And I that's kind of Uh, mesmerizing to me because I would think it would be the limitations that everybody else puts on you. You can't do this. You can't do this. But it was really, you say it was you putting the limitations on yourself.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, uh, the greatest pleasure in life is doing what people say you cannot do. It's kind of like you look at a toddler. Have you ever looked at a toddler and said, you can't do that. Don't do that. But the toddler looks right back at you and does that. (laughs) And uh, I was that toddler, I still am today, and uh, I, uh, people told me, you can't do it, I'm going to do it. God has a sense of humor, and, uh, it, you know, I always wonder why does, you know, he He knew me in the womb before I was born. He said, I set you apart. Jeremiah 1, five says that he set me apart, and he put this passion on me to play baseball, to rock climb, to do everything that people with two hands do. People with one hand don't do. <laughs> and uh, I just, if he put that passion on me, if he gave me that, I have to trust him that he's going to carry it all the way to the completion. Just like it says in Philippians, be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. I knew, hey, that's what I want to do. I can do it. So,
0: I trusted. I like that scripture you mentioned about being formed in your mother's womb. And a lot of times, then we see see, well, who is this God that doesn't give him a hand, but I think you're missing. we missed the point in that uh, is the spirit and the soul and the person that we are is how God creates us, and he can work through any limitation that this world, we're in this broken world, and I, 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 I hope I don't err in sharing this, but I don't know if you know this or not, but when you said that being formed in your mother's womb, I talked to your grandma after service, and she was there the day you were born. She was in the hospital, I don't know if you know this story or not, but um, the people that were, I'm so thankful for doctors and nurses that are followers of Jesus and will inspire and encourage in a moment when it's needed, and one of the nurses leaned over to your mom and said, and I'm probably going to paraphrase this, I may get this wrong, so you have to check with your mom to get all the true facts on it, but basically what the nurse said is this boy can do whatever he wants to do, don't put limitations on him. Wow, if your parents didn't just follow that and what God has done. What a promise for you, Lori. Like, what a promise is you see your boy up here and you wait. You're like a nurse breathes in your ear in that moment. You're like, really? And then you see the fulfillment because you stayed the course, because you went all the way through to the other side. Great is your reward. Man, man. Praise God for moms. Praise yeah. God for moms. Definitely. I just think that is so, so powerful. So you are um, limiting yourself, and you're going to be in the medical field, and then something happened, uh, and you decided, I'm going to be a pilot. What was it? Like I said, he put it on my heart, and that's it. I I knew, it was,
1: I, knew I wanted to do it. Uh, well, I, t- you know, I say the big defining moment for me was chemistry class. <laughs> Sitting there in the big auditorium with a little clicker that, you know, you're holding two or three clickers because some of your friends didn't want to show up to class. So you're <laughs> checking them in. And uh, Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I just – it wasn't that um, college and the education wasn't for me because I have that. I went through it with aviation, but I knew – I knew that it wasn't medicine. Something else was tugging at my heart, and uh, it was quite clear that I what I needed to do. So I made a phone call, uh, not to my parents yet, but uh, to the uh, flight school at OU. OU has a great flight program. And I talked to uh, Dave McClurkin, who's the... Uh, uh, chief flight instructor out there. He's not there anymore, but he's about eight and a half feet tall, 450 pounds. If you ever know Dave, he's the kindest, most gentlest man, except for when you first meet him, you're pretty intimidated. But he took me out to the airplane, and uh, he looked at me and said, you know, let's let's see what you can do. And he threw me in the airplane, and we kind of went through all the motions and all the, uh, you know, the motions you would do to be a pilot in the, in that airplane. And uh, he was the very first person who really looked at me and said, "I think you can do it." I, uh, you know, you're going to have a long road in front of you. You're going it's not going to be easy, but I think you can do it. And uh, that was good enough for me. So I called my parents that evening and uh, I said, "Hey, guess what? I'm I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. I'm going to be a, a pilot." So, <laughs> and uh, it was a hard phone call to my parents, um, not because I was afraid they'd be disappointed in me, but because. I knew they'd be nervous. And uh but we all had to trust God together and we all had to take that. You know, like we talked about, it's not it's not the destination, it's not the you know, it's the journey along the way. It's not the end result, it's baby steps and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go as far as I can and see what happens. And uh you know, I made the change and here I am today. So <laughs> it worked out.
0: I, I think it's just amazing. Because you mention him by name, and anytime we remember someone's name, it's because they had a, such a significant impact in our lives. And all he said to you was, "I think you can do this," and that was enough for you.
1: That was it. Yeah, uh, he, you know, he he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. He said it's not going to be easy. He didn't make it easy for me. He did my check ride, so uh, um, and it certainly was not easy. I, uh, but that one little boat of confidence there set me off on my path and, uh, I started believing and I, I, yeah, I just counted on it. He was huge. He was instrumental and he doesn't know that today really as much as he should, but it's amazing what one person can say or do
0: to encourage. Well, I know faith has been such an important part, your faith in Jesus, uh, and your, your, Trusting God all the way through this process. But what I I never want us to discount is how God does things. And one of the ways he does it is he speaks through people. Like, that's the way God encourages us. I mean, God speaks through a nurse to your mom. And he speaks through this instructor to you. I mean, don't discount your words. Don't discount what you could possibly be speaking. You, You are speaking life over someone. Destiny, over somebody. How, our voice is so powerful. And, and just your words could be encouraging to someone. So listen for those voices. And and I encourage you to, to be that voice. But as I said, in week one, shortcuts cut short the promise of God. And God takes us the roundabout way. I talked about going the roundabout way to get battle ready. And you you had to go the roundabout way? Because you didn't just graduate college and get a job at United Airlines. Not at all. <laughs> wasn't well, that easy, now. You got to tell us about the job that sounds amazing in Hawaii, but wasn't all that great. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> um, well, first to get there, I mean, just like a
1: wrap up, I, I didn't just become a pilot either. You know, uh, I walk into a doctor's office and the medical examiner looks at me and says, you want to be a pilot? you only have one hand. I've never seen this before. I've been doing this his whole life. and um, Restriction after restriction after restriction, literally I had six of them that I had to overcome placed on my medical to be able to do what I do today. And I'm very proud that I'm restriction-free today. I can do any airplane I see. So that's a side note, but thank you. The I've worked a lot of different jobs. In fact, United Airlines is my sixth airline. Uh, anyone who knows the industry understands that that's not too far off from normal, but it's not that normal. I uh, I did. I worked a bunch of different jobs, and one job in particular to build time. Pilots are always building time to gain experience. Was out in Hawaii. I uh, flew a small airplane, inner island. Um, you know, Maui, Dakota, Honolulu. It sounds like the greatest job in the world. And everyone's thinking, wow, I could do that. I'd quit my job right now and go out there and do it. But it was the worst job I've ever had, ever had. And uh, it was it was just miserable because of a lot of reasons. It was uh, I was single pilot. I was flying by myself. But I wasn't just single pilot. I was a single man airline. I was checking passengers in by myself. I had to look at women in the eye and say, "How much do you weigh?" <laughs> wow. That was, that alone was a hard job, but uh, uh, no, and I had to. Do that, that is the
0: worst <laughs> job ever.
1: <laughs> and I said this for weight and balance reasons; it's not leaving between me and you. I promise. So, uh, so <laughs> it's Hawaii. It's inner island. It's tourists. Uh, I had to check in. It was a nine-passenger airplane. It wasn't that many people. But it wouldn't be uncommon for me to have 500 pounds of bags on an airplane. And I would load the bags, all the bags up by myself, load the passengers up, and I'd fly them from A to B, and then unload the bags and the people, and then do it over again between 12 and 15 hours a day, five days a week. And one day I flew 16 flights in one day. That's was my. that been my record. It was only one day. And uh, it was not good, it was not easy, and uh, it led to uh, uh, a big down point in my career. Um, the uh, one day I was, and the I, I, first time I've ever shared this was in their first service this morning, so uh, it's been hard for me to share, but talk about sinking or swimming here, I, uh, I faced a storm, you know, Jesus puts storms in people's way, it's all over the Bible, it's not going to be easy for anybody and one of the hardest things I ever had overcome was one day I was flying in Kalapapa, Hawaii. Maybe you've heard of that area. It's a small airport. It's kind of like Alaska bush flying. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's got a very small ramp, uh, about the size of the stage maybe, maybe a little bigger. Uh, Big enough for one little airplane, barely two. And I had a lot of pressure that I had to move my airplane around because we sat there for an hour. And, uh, one day I was taxiing on the very edge of the, uh, the strip, the, uh, the, part, the uh, ramp, there's a light pole. And my right wingtip, as I was making the turn to swing around, I'm exhausted. Fatigue is a factor. My right wingtip hit the light pole, clipped the edge of the wingtip. This happens every day. Uh, as today in my job, I've, I've moved on a lot from it. And I look back on it. It's like a fender bender. It's happening every second outside right now on the highways. But these things happen every day in aviation, too. You don't hear about them on CNN. And it's just a no-big-deal thing. No one's hurt. I don't know. The airplane's going to be flying again, no problem, the next day, a couple days later. And, but for me, it was the worst thing in the world because the following day, I got called into the office, and the chief pilot was on the phone. He said he fought for my job, but the director of operations decided to fire me right there on the spot. And just like that, I was on the streets, and I thought, I thought that my career was over. I thought that it was completely done. I thought I was done. And I, I just knew it. I knew I was done. I had sunk to the bottom. I had I had reached rock bottom as far as you could go. But, you know, I, I, I've reflected on this, uh, what I said earlier, Philippians 1-6, my wife sitting in the back. Uh, Natalie, please wave your hand, too. I went, <laughs> she's, yeah, yeah. She reminded me, she was instrumental as well. She reminded me, said, be confident of this. He who began a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to put this passion on you. He's not going to get you started on this. He's not going to make you a testimony. He's not going to give you this. He's not going to just let you. That's not it. This isn't over. This is not the end. So, you know, suck it up and move on is what she told me. (laughs) 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 No, my, you know, I I did. I, I started looking forward, and trying my hardest, and I interviewed at a job in Denver, and it's a job I was overqualified for, and they turned me down. I actually got turned down, so here I was starting to swim back up, but I sunk back down again, because I didn't get the job that I was overqualified for, but I kept pushing. Got another job, became captain. Upgraded there. I was flying airplanes out of Memphis. I started flying out of Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Dallas, all over the place, and then ultimately Seattle. And uh, we did a big move out to Seattle for an airline that I got hired at. I had a three-month-old little girl, and here we are moving all the way across the country, 2,200 miles away, and uh, we're not even done packing. We're in the middle of packing, and the phone rings. It's United saying, we'd like to have you for an interview. At the time, at United, there were over 10,000 applications on file, and they had just begun hiring. (laughs) We moved out there. I interviewed a few days later, and one week later, on April 13th, they called the day after my birthday and said, it was the uh, head chief pilot of United, he called me, said, I'd like to offer you a job at United Airlines, so.
0: So like sixteen years ago, I'm standing in my yard, look across the street, and there's this little boy and he's throwing the ball with his dad. And then you fast forward and I look and this guy's throwing out the first pitch at a major league baseball park in California. What what was that moment like for you? Take us you walk out onto the field and throw in that pitch.
1: When he asked me to come here today, was, I don't know when I was more nervous here or there, but the uh, I grew up a baseball fan. Obviously, I played baseball like we talked about, but this little girl you saw in the video, her name's Haley Dawson. If you don't know her story, I encourage you, go home today, get on your phones, and just Google her name, Haley Dawson, and her story is just phenomenal. It is wonderful. I got in touch with her uh, when the World Series was in Houston. United had me fly her home from Houston to Las Vegas, and it was a big PR thing. That was the video you saw, the airplane pushing back. She was on my airplane. I flew her home, and, uh, you know, this little girl was five years old at the time. She got her first 3D printed hand from the University of North Las Vegas, and she throws the baseball with it, and she told her mom at five years old that she wanted to throw the first pitch out in Baltimore, and, uh, and the Orioles said, of course, whatever, a cute little girl come out and throw the first pitch, absolutely, and that's all it was, was one, one game, one, just one shot, and this little girl said, no, I'd like, I think I'd like to do all 30 baseball parks, and her mom's like, what, how am I gonna make that happen, so she did, and uh, it's a phenomenal story, I highly encourage you to look it up, and uh, she fast forward, she has 30 3d prosthetic hands for all 30 baseball teams and, uh, threw out the pitch at all of them. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Look, her, up. her final pitch, as you said, was in California and Los Angeles, the angels game. And, uh, United called me one day and they said, Hey, we'd like to have you out in Los Angeles with Haley, have you out on the field in uniform, of course. And, uh, we'd like you to come out and be with Haley. I said, yeah, I'll be there, absolutely. And they said, oh, by the way, uh, I think we're not 100% certain, but you're going to throw out the first pitch as well. So I said, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about nerves firing, you know, throwing out the first pitch. And, uh, you know, Haley, she does it from about, I don't know, she doesn't do it from the mound, maybe halfway in between. Uh, but for me, i am not. I got to throw it out from the mound, you know. It's like, it's like come on. So, <laughs> But, yeah, it was great. I, it, was, it was wonderful to be out there on the field. Uh, growing up in baseball, that was my sport. Uh, idolized Jim Abbott, and uh, if you know Jim Abbott, he's a one-handed pitcher. Pitched all over for uh, the Angels, the Yankees. Threw a new hitter at the Yankees, and I got to meet Jim Abbott at the game. They surprised me and brought Jim out, Ab- Jim Abbott out. Here I am, just standing on the field talking to Jim Abbott and shaking hands like we're
0: just lifelong buddies and just hanging out. And it was,
1: it was surreal. It was
0: great. What a what a journey! So inspirational, man. I appreciate you so much for coming and sharing. Thanks for having me. This story, I just truly believe for you. Uh, this is just the beginning. Uh, you have such an inspirational story. Uh, God did form you in your mama's womb because He has a destiny and He's a plan uh, that will inspire. I believe many, many. Many people. Have you been inspired today? It's like, is like, has this encouraged you today? This has been so powerful, and so phenomenal. Thank you, guys. I want us to take just a moment. I want to. I want to pray for Eric, and then, and then I'm gonna pray for you guys. But let's. I just feel in this moment that, um, that God has um, a platform for you, my friend, and He's gonna use you in powerful ways to inspire people to follow their dreams. So let's, let's pray for Eric. Father, thank you for a guy who just never gave up, never quit, persevered and believed. And, God, you have put him in a position because he has remained faithful and because he has believed and followed after you and trusted in your word, great is your faithfulness in his life. And wherever you choose to send him, whatever that platform is you choose to give to him, God, would you be honored through it? Uh, help him to have new faith that he's going to need for the platforms and the positions that you're going to put him in, God, where the, the butterflies and the, and the uh, fear and the, the anxiety that's going to rise up in him, God, when he hears this is where I'm going to send you, give him the faith to step into that, take another step. Many may be inspired in Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, would you give Eric some love again and thank him for coming? Thank you. You sit down for just a moment. So, what is the it's the dream God's put in you? We've walked four weeks together. Is it going to be another year of sinking? Or is this going to be the year you swim and you get to the other side? I've said it every week in this series, and I believe it for you. This, God wants this to be the best year ever in your life. He wants to do amazing things through you. But it's going to take you and great faith to say, I can overcome whatever adversity I have in my life. What limitations have you put on yourself? What limitations have you said, well, I would, but I can't because of fill in the blank. What if you just erased that? What if you said, you know what? Insert God into that limitation. And God can teach me. God can equip me. God can help me. Somehow, some way, I am going to get through to the other side in 2019. And God is going to be glorified. I believe we're gonna get to the end of this year and so many of you are gonna have story after story after story of what God has birthed in you and what you have been faithful to.